Welcome to Pictures of Grace, a Fraser 365 Advent devotional. My name is Chris Montgomery, senior pastor of Fraser Church, and I'm so glad you're on this Advent journey with us. May the Lord bless you today as we learn about His unmerited grace. Welcome to Day 3 of Pictures of Grace, an Advent daily devotional. Today's title is The Law of Grace. G. Campbell Morgan said that grace is love in action. Our text today comes from Genesis chapter 38, verses 6 through 11. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform the duty of a brother-in-law to her, and raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he went into his brother's wife, he would waste the seed on the ground so as not to give offspring to his brother. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till Shelah, my son, grows up. For he feared that he would die like his brothers. So Tamar went and remained in her father's house. Wow. Tamar's husband, Ur, dies before she has a child, and this leaves her in a whole lot of trouble. A childless widow in biblical days would lose her identity and her inheritance. Her husband had been the firstborn who would have inherited a double portion of Judah's inheritance. Now, without a son as her heir, Ur's portion would go to his brothers. Tamar is left with nothing. And God put a law in His Word for the nation of Israel to protect against widows in Tamar's situation. Even in God's laws, we find His mercy and grace. If we're not careful, we will see God's laws as limits and not as liberation. God's laws not only lead us to His grace, but they also protect us by His grace. This particular law is found in Deuteronomy 25 in a section of Scripture entitled, Laws Concerning Leverite Marriage. The expression Leverite marriage comes from the Latin levir for brother-in-law. Here is the law in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 and 6. If brothers dwell together as one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And the first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. Judah does the right thing according to the law, but with a questionable motive. He sends his next oldest son, Onan, with a declaration, Go, perform the duty of a brother-in-law and raise up offspring for your brother. And as you read the account in Genesis 38, you get the idea that Onan responds out of duty and not out of love for his family. Tom First gives a clear picture of what Onan was struggling with in obeying the Leverite law. This obligation to provide children for her and his deceased brother provides a greater headache for him than for his father. By taking on his own responsibility, Onan puts his and his son's own inheritance at risk. As the oldest son, Ur had the right to a double portion of his father's estate upon Judah's death. That larger share would have passed to Onan after Ur's death. But the Leverite law now called that into question. Presumably, the children Onan provided for Ur would receive Ur's inheritance. To do the right thing, Onan must forfeit his potential 
personal gain. Tamar represents a financial liability and a threat to his inheritance. Onan goes through with the physical act of sleeping with Tamar, but makes sure that she cannot conceive a child. He takes part in his own pleasure, but will not do what it takes to ease Tamar's pain. His selfishness keeps him from doing what is legal, ethical, and God's will to protect the widows of that day. Onan is a picture of the world. Onan tried to obey the law partially and please God fully. He wanted to save face more than he wanted to serve faithfully. So the law given in Deuteronomy 25 goes on to describe what should happen if a brother-in-law fails to fulfill his responsibility. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 7 through 10. And if the man does not wish to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gates of the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of his husband's brother to me. Then the elders of his city shall call him and speak to him. And if he persists, saying, I do not wish to take her, then his brother's wife shall go up to him in the presence of the elders and pull his sandal off his foot and spit in his face. And she shall answer and say, So shall it be done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. And the name of his house shall be called in Israel, the house of him who had his sandal pulled off. Onan did not want to have a bad reputation, so he appeared to fulfill the Leverite law. He should have had his face spit on and labeled the house of him who had his sandal pulled off. I wonder why God gave this punishment of taking off his sandal in public. Could this possibly be where we get the phrase walking in someone else's shoes? Maybe. This is just my crazy way of thinking. However, it does give a whole new meaning to the shoes on the other foot. Trimper Longman III, in his commentary, makes a connection with this law and another woman of Advent, Ruth. The closest we see the scenario work out in Ruth 4, when Boaz appears a relative who is closer to Naomi than he is about marrying Ruth. Onan makes no public protest, but privately refuses to follow through on his duty. Since he does not protest publicly, Tamar would not have the option if it was even available to her in this environment, which is earlier and not Israelite to challenge his refusal. God, however, knows what Onan does in private. For his evil actions, God put him to death. Whatever the case, Onan wouldn't extend grace, so God sent his judgment. Herein lies great lessons for us. Grace extended is grace received. And God loves you so much that grace is seen even in his laws. So as we think about today's reading, let's reflect on the following questions. How are you tempted to save face rather than extend grace? How does today's devotion relate to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And what are your thoughts on the law of the sandal? Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, that your laws not only lead us to your grace, but they also protect us by your grace. Father, help us to be merciful as we receive mercy from you. As you have extended grace to us, may we do the same for others. You are such a good father, and we thank you that today we will walk in your grace and mercy. In your precious name, amen.